You're probably better off down here. Why is that? I'm sure you have your problems up there, with the Jedi running around, starting wars, policing everything. The Jedi didn't start the war. They're trying to stop it. Sure. Sure they are. Look, it doesn't really matter anyway. They've forgotten all about us. What do you mean? It's just... When you're a kid, you hear stories. I guess they're not what I thought they'd be. Welcome to episode 11 of Force Time. My name is Travis, and today I am here with... Nicholas Matthew Peroni. Wow, we got the middle name this this week. Very nice. Uh, And today we are going to talk about the Clone Wars. So we did both of our Bad Batch episodes. Um, We split it up into two and two. And then this one, the way the timing worked out with everything, we decided to do one episode to cover Ahsoka's walkabout arc but first off i guess nick what have you been up to the last couple weeks in uh in quarantine stayed home dad uh, pretty much uh, slash school teacher with my eldest daughter in her kindergarten class i've been doing um you know trying to relearn things that i've learned before um helping her out she gets frustrated pretty easily so it's been kind of difficult with uh showing patience with her um then a lot of work in my yard it is a gorgeous yard better be because how much dang money i spend on it but a lot of yard work a lot of outside and a lot of herping which is going out and uh, looking for reptiles and amphibians the study of herpetology for those you don't understand what that means uh, bringing the girls with me and uh, found several different species of snakes lots of amphibians lots of frogs and some turtles so uh, i've been doing a lot of doing that social distancing uh, going into work here and there um, when when need be. So you found snakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you pick them up? Yeah. Uh-huh. We uh, bring bags with us, and uh, it's all catch and release. We got, we got, uh, I have a whole bunch of snake hooks, which is uh, obviously to keep your distance from a, from animal if you're not, if you're not comfortable handling with them, so you have a hook. And your girls, your girls like the snakes? Yeah, they love them. Love them. We found a speckled really? king snake. And we found three garter snakes. Two of them, the garter snakes were really small. But the one garter snake was giant. He was a little rambunctious because he was moving so fast. They didn't like that one. But the speckled king snake I found, uh, they really, really enjoyed. They held it, touched it, pet it. It's a real, it was a day that probably uh, started out really, really kind of a cooler morning, like in the 40s maybe. And as the sun was coming out, by the time we found him, it was probably like 60-something. So, obviously, snakes being cold-blooded creatures, when you find them when it's a little chillier, they are a little more subdued than where if you picked up a snake at 90 degrees. It's got a, it's got a little more angst to it. <laughs> but, yeah, we love doing imagine. it. We uh, found some snapping turtles, uh, lots and lots of frogs, so many frogs, chorus frogs, cricket frogs, leopard frogs, bullfrogs, green frogs. Um, <laughs> it sound like a... You sound like Bubba Gump right now, listening <laughs> yeah. off all the different things to do with shrimp. See, my Brooklyn really likes snakes. Like every time we go to the zoo, she's she wants to go straight for the snakes, but they scare her so bad. We were at the lake last year, and we went out and we were swimming in the lake. And, and my wife hates reptiles and wild animals and stuff too. But we were in the lake, and a snake went right by my wife, and we did not go in the water the rest of the day. Everybody was freaked out. <laughs> Me too. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of snakes either. It's a good thing. But probably, I'm glad that's it was just a water snake. More than uh, probably 80 percent sure this is a water. All snakes can swim, but uh, you're usually finding a snake in the middle of the a lake. It's a snake that's more in tune to water than other ones. That that doesn't make any of us feel better about a snake pretty much brushing up against yeah. us. But well, that's yeah. nice. I'm glad you uh, could keep could keep busy uh, with that over the quarantine. We have been doing a lot of stuff obviously inside we've been playing outside as much as we can in the driveway 
been doing a lot of like art projects and things like that. Brooklyn's art made it onto this week in Star Wars, which was really I cool. saw that. I meant to comment on uh, your uh, tweet, and then um, I remember Henley had an accent. She started screaming, crying, so I had to run, and then I went back to it. But yeah, that was pretty. That was really, really cool. Yeah, we were excited. We uh, she made a mini zine inspired by Kara, who's been on the show a couple times. She makes uh, collage art, and she has a Star Wars zine, and she put a tutorial on her Instagram to make a mini zine. Uh-huh. And so we decided to do that one day. And Brooklyn did all the drawings, and she did all the stickers. And yeah, two pages she did Ray and Kylo Ren on both of the pages, I guess Ben Solo and they were having a picnic and eating uh, some carrots and things <laughs> like that, and some ice cream. And so I tweeted that in, they were looking for fan art for the weekly show. And so, yeah, actually Carol is the one that saw it first and she sent it to me and she's like, Hey, you made it in there. So we were really excited. Brooklyn watched it like three times in a row. She was, she was very excited to hear her name and Kristen Baver who host the show is just so sweet and she you know said that ray's buns were so spot on and yeah it just made her entire day so yeah i've been trying to keep busy with that we've been watching a lot of movies we're gonna have a movie night tonight or i think we're getting trolls too so uh brooklyn you're gonna buy it looking forward to that yeah i think so we're gonna go cool. for it because that's probably one we were gonna see in the theaters that's anyway, what we were debating so. too it's like 15.99 i was like 15.99 i want to spend that for trolls too and you're like nick if we would have gone to the theater which we would have gone anyways and mm-hmm. spending food buying food or, or and tickets it would have been way more than that i'm like well do we get to watch it like do we own it then so that was my only right. so I was spoiled when uh, Disney released onward onto uh, Disney plus so that that was free we just had to wait for it yeah so I was hoping like other movies like that would they would do the same thing but obviously they they have not yet yes yeah uh, there's a lot that we're gonna be waiting for I think for a lot but yeah hopefully hopefully trolls trolls 2 is worth it we're gonna set up the living room and have some popcorn do all that good stuff but we were driving by the movie theater the other day and Andrea my wife was just like man I miss going to the movies and we don't even get to go that often but yeah it's starting to get that time in the self-isolation and quarantining where it's like oh starting to starting to miss things that you, we used to really take for granted so, yeah i, lo- I love um, the movies as well and i, w- I was kind of disheartened like, reading some tweets and some stuff on um that like amc doesn't know if it could ever recover and same when this thing's over some movie theaters might never even open up again i'm like oh man my gosh a little, little disheartened about that because i agree i like to uh, go to the movie as much as i can yeah, no, it's fun. And then another thing we do normally every Saturday, we go to the local comic book store. We go to A to Z Comics in Blue Springs, and the lady, um, Debbie, that runs A to Z Comics is just the sweetest person ever. And so I made sure to check in on their Facebook, and it sounds like they're doing okay and they're going to, you know, be okay throughout this. But yeah, small businesses, big businesses, it's a uh, yeah, scary time right now. So, I guess with that though, we'll uh, shift gears and talk about a little escapism, and we'll we'll go right into the Clone Wars. The last four episodes, we got Ahsoka's walkabout arc, which there was a lot of different arcs that I know had been discussed as far as what they had already made what they had already written and what was going to make it into the final season you know with it only being 12 episodes so ahsoka's walkabout is the arc that they decided to go with for the second arc of this season uh so it had four episodes gone with a trace deal no deal dangerous debt and together again uh this arc follows ahsoka as she comes to terms with her post jedi life and it introduces us to two new characters trace and rafa martez the martez sisters live in the underworld of coruscant which was really cool to see with the older sister rafa picking up a dangerous job smuggling spice for the infamous pike syndicate this lands the three in a jail cell on the planet obadiah and forces ahsoka to make the sacrifice of giving herself up so the sisters can leave the planet they come back for her in the end and they get back to coruscant safely but meanwhile we get we find out that maul is on mandalore and already con- in control of some of the crime syndicates, while Bo-Katan, Ursa Wren, and the third Mandalorian follow Ahsoka from Obadia to Coruscant. Bo-Katan says that her and Ahsoka have a common enemy and needs her help, and then Ahsoka leaves for Mandalore with Bo-Katan. So, that is a short recap of all four episodes. So, with this arc, I guess you want to start uh, overall thoughts on, on this four-episode arc. There were things about the arc that I 
I did enjoy. There was, you know, obviously I, I've talked about um, Blue in the Face, uh, how I like callbacks. I like connections. So the very first scene when Ahsoka's uh, riding her bike, you know, you got the, the binary sunset uh, theme, which it maybe it meant nothing to anyone else. But to me, it's just like, you know, Luke looking on the twin sons, like I, I'm destined for a different life than here. And the same, I kind of, the first thing, so I got chills the first, very first five seconds of this, of uh, with Gone With The Trace. Her on that bike, that same song playing, you know, what's her next step? What's she going to do? So right in, I was kind of hooked. And then she lands on that platform and meets these sisters. And the first episode, uh, obviously, it was just kind of like, here's Ahsoka, what she's been doing. Uh, introduce her to some new characters. But after that, I just didn't feel like there ever was a hook. I don't really feel like it. Like Ahsoka, Ahsoka, Ahsoka. This is Dave Filoni's baby. This is Dave Filoni's continuance of George's work. And I felt like this is the moment that we were going to get to see her character develop what she's going through, the trials and tribulations that she's experienced, that she will experience. And I just, I just kind of fell flat with me. To me, it just felt like the arc just felt like it was introducing these two sisters. And that's what it, this arc was going to be about Rafa and, um, and trace. And uh, she was, Ahsoka was present in a lot of the four episodes, but I feel like I think especially in the second or the yeah the second episode when they're you know they get the job and they're going to Kessel like she's just like a side character like it's just like the Rafa and Trace's internal um, you know banter between them two. So I just felt like I needed more from Ahsoka. You know the first the first um, line of the you know, the quotes, the quotes at the beginning of the episodes. If there is no path before you, create your own. Obviously, that's Ahsoka. And then you get the binary sense, the thing that I mentioned. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Let's let's, let's go with this. And then I felt like the, the next two episodes, like the, 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 the beginning quotes, were about each sister and not about Ahsoka anymore. Uh, I think deal or no deal. Mistakes or value lessons often learn too late. And I think that applied to me. I took it as that replied to Trace, all the mistakes that she made throughout the ep- through that episode. And then, then the third one, who you are, who you were does not have to define who you are. And I think that one rep- um, applied to Rafa. I just felt like Ahsoka needed more to me personally. And I think, I think a lot of people had that same feeling too and for me it was nice to see ahsoka kind of deal with the decision she made a little bit and then also find out what these like regular people think about the jedi because if you think about it throughout the prequels throughout the clone wars you don't see that many just regular people and you know you you can build your own opinion about the jedi and how they did wrong and how they could have done things differently or whatever but to actually see that and to see her have these conversations because like there was a lot of talking one of the things i noticed was there was a lot of ahsoka thinking you know to herself while and you're right while the sisters were talking to each other trace and rafa there was a lot of ahsoka off to the side just thinking and just internalizing all this stuff that's coming before. So I think that, you know, with how the trailers were coming into this final season, we got the hello master, you know, where she turns around and sees Anakin. And I think a lot of people after the bad batch arc thought we were going to skip straight into that, but we basically got four episodes of her finding out what life is like on the outside and and I thought it was, I thought it was a good contrast to what we saw with the Bad Batch because the Bad Batch we saw large scale, big wars, big battles. You know, even though it was only with a few soldiers, we saw that throughout those four episodes where it was like action packed. It was a lot of a lot of war and a lot of Anakin, you know, saving the day. The Bad Batch having these really big, awesome moments. And then we get the opposite side of that with this one where 
there's no lightsabers, you know, there's Ahsoka's without that now where she's, she's on her own. She has to just use all of her other skills to, you know, help these sisters out. And the Bad Batch was really nice to see all that stuff. But, but at the same time, we see the Jedi in that light where it's like, you know, I think one of the clones has the line. He's like, you know, you can't compete with a Jedi. And it's like, wow, these, you know, the Jedi are awesome. They're, they're so cool. They get to do all this fun stuff. When Anakin is taking out the Octoptara and he's saving the day and Mace Windu's coming in and, you know, him and Obi-Wan are taking out all the droids and everything just looks, you know, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. Like they're, they're perfect. They're these like super soldiers, you know, they can, they can do no wrong. And then we get this episode, this arc where it it shows the other side of that, which I thought was just a nice setup for where we're going, you know, with the Siege of Mandalore. The first episodes, like they've said, were about Rex, but Rex was kind of, you know, he wasn't in the foreground all throughout those four episodes, Uh, but it kind of showed that side of the war. And then we're getting the normal person side of this where, you know, Ahsoka is pretty shocked to hear that people don't like the Jedi. You know, she hasn't heard that very often. I think for her to kind of come to terms with that is I, I really enjoyed. And I liked the dynamic between her and the sisters and like Ahsoka trying to figure out what her path is going to be going forward. So that's kind of where I was with the overall art. I really really enjoyed it i know a couple i know episode the second episode of the arc started really slow and that was the one where i was like ah, i'm not sure how i feel but then as it kept going it, it just kept getting better and better and so i i was kind of on the that end of the spectrum where i really enjoyed it just seeing that and i think it helped to i watch always with my daughter and because she's just she'll always come into the bed and you know i'll turn it on first thing in the morning and she loved these episodes. Like she loved seeing Ahsoka fight without her lightsaber, doing all these cool like moves. And uh, she's been like break dancing on the floor saying she's Ahsoka for the past couple of days. And it's just like, it's, it's so cool to see that. And then her seeing that relationship with the sisters and how they kind of relate to her. It just, it, it helps me see it in that light too, where um, we're getting pretty much the total opposite of that first four episodes where it's like you know it's war and it's killing all these you know all these bad guys and all these droids and everything and uh winning a battle and everything and then we get this this is like that small scale story you know it really a lot of this arc reminded me of solo you know for obvious reasons we get kessel we get the crimson dawn reference we get all that stuff but also just like the small scale feel of it where it's like no it's just these regular people going off to do these things and so i thought that was really cool the thing the thing about it though is that um the the first four episodes it develops rex character rex was kind of like on the edge of you know following orders and you know like it meant something to him to find echo because all of his other brothers had died and it it was about him you know branching off and then echo accepting who he was and i i just felt like there was a, a point to that story and what all of us, most of us Star Wars fans knew is, you know, the, the Bad Batch arc already had been released with the, you know, the unfinished reels. So we kind of were, or me especially, was, I was especially, I was excited to see what they were going to do with it, what the animation would look like. Um, but once they cleaned it up and the music and what you actually watched, they gave us some character development. I really feel like, you know, this arc kind of reminds me of episode three. Like they meet the sisters and then they have a little issue and they get out and then they're captured and they're put back in the same jail cell that they were at the very beginning of the episode, making basically the whole episode like not mean anything. Like the what they did from the beginning till the end, it gave Trace some. It gave Trace. It, it, it completed Trace and Rafa's story because Trace, you know, kind of, uh, you know, she's the one that you know f- pretended to faint and then was a kind of a complete ba, you know, running around shooting shooting pikes and uh, getting out of it. And then Rafa at the beginning, she was all, you know, nothing's nothing's going to come between my family, my sisters, everything, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter what deal we do as long as we're paid at the end of the day. And then in the jail cell at the end, you know, she realizes that what she 
you know, what she did was a mistake. So she kind of came full circle there too. But like Ahsoka, basically she's just running through this whole arc pretending not to be a Jedi and trying not to use her powers, uh, but having to use her powers here and there. You know, the story of the very beginning when uh, I think the very first episode, Trace says something along the lines of, you know, the Jedi don't care about us down here. You know, they're, they start wars and Ahsoka's like, well, they didn't start the war, but they're trying to maintain it. And then Trace is like, well, you know, but they don't, we don't need them to be police. We need them to basically remember us. That's not what we were. We thought of a Jedi growing up. Like, so that's like, I, I don't know. That's, that's the hard part that I, 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 I like, and then it's just like, okay, here's this non-developed Ahsoka. And then, all right, go to Mandalore now. Like, ugh, I don't know. It just didn't give me anything to build on. See, I think, and this is where we kind of disagree a little bit, but I think that for Ahsoka, I think it's difficult to look at her character and for her to be able to be fully, you know, changed or anything with four episodes. Because where we last saw her, she literally left the Jedi Temple. And yeah, and this was supposed to be in season six. This whole arc mm-hmm. was supposed to be in season six, so I feel like it kind of falls short because it we're already to that point. You know that you know what I mean. So yeah, you think about Ahsoka. She just left the Jedi Temple. She doesn't know where she's going. She's just going to the underworld to go down there, and who even knows? And I think within four episodes, it's almost impossible for her to you know completely know where she's going to go after that because i think she does struggle throughout the arc on what that's going to look like and i think and we'll go ahead and talk about trace and rafa a little bit more but those two and on one of the clone wars downloads where uh dave filoni was talking about but trace and rafa basically represent the two paths that ahsoka could go down you know, obviously Trace is that, you know, she's uh, very hopeful. She wants to help everybody. She wants to do the right thing. Uh, and then you have Rafa, who's kind of shady. Um, she's getting into some pretty bad business dealings and she's just doing whatever she can to survive, regardless of what that looks like. And they hate the Jedi, you know, because of what happened with their parents and what uh, the Jedi had you know, told them with you know, we had to make a decision and, you know, the force will be with you or whatever that line, which sounds like a total Jedi thing that they would say too, which just kind of proves, you know, how, how the Jedi looked at things. I don't think all Jedi would say that. I think uh, Luminara would say it because she's the, you know, basically the cold hearted bee that basically told Anakin, like when uh, Anakin or Ahsoka and Barris got caught or left behind, you know, he, she was just like, you know, if, basically hey that's the will of the force and we won't go back and save him basically and it's just like uh what anakin wouldn't you know listen well, to that nonsense you left your own you don't care that you're another guy your tutoring's padawan's gone and your own padawan got left behind in this thing you're just like eh, oh well i think that's luminara uh, but i think luminara is more what the Jedi are like. And I think cause Anakin and Obi-Wan and even Ahsoka are kind of the outliers, you know, and that's why they're, they're, they're our main characters. But I think that, you know, the Jedi philosophy is exactly what Luminara did. And I think that if everyone was following that, then they'd have a similar, similar look at that too. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. I like the push and pull of Trace and Rafa. I liked their, their sibling, you know, love, I guess you could call it, but I, I just liked how they, how Ahsoka just sat there and listened to them all the time and just took it all in. And she is trying to figure out what path she's going to go down. And there's even uh, when they escape the jail cell and Ahsoka is standing in the middle of them and Trace is like, we need to go that way. And then Rafa's is like, no, we're going that way. And Ahsoka's like tiebreaker and she takes them and she pulls them off and she goes Trace's way. Like, I think that's just telling us as an audience, like she's going to go that way. She's going to stay true to who she is. She's going to help people whenever she can. And even at the end, 
of the arc where it, it kind of leads her back and you're right. It does kind of lead her back to, to where she was, but you know, I think it proves that she's not going to change who she is, even though she's not a Jedi anymore. You know, Bo-Katan says she needs help and you know, Rafa or trace one of them were like, this is what you're meant to do. And, you know, Ahsoka even said like, I'm scared to see where this will lead. And they're like to the Jedi. And she's like, yeah, maybe. And so it's, it's nice to see that, Although she's not a Jedi, she's still staying on that path. You know, obviously it's hard for us as an audience too, because we know where she ends up in Rebels. You know, we know that she's still on the right side of everything. But if we didn't have that, we would literally know, not know anything other than, you know, what's in the past. So I thought it was an interesting, you know, push and pull between the two sisters and just kind of what that relationship looked like. I will say that the the very one of the very last lines of that last episode really did get to me, and I really really did enjoy it. You know, uh, once they land and Bo Katan has basically told her what's going on, Rafa says, "Why would you?" You know, she's and Ashoka's like, "Ah, uh, you know, I don't know if it, it's like you said, it's gonna lead her back to the Jedi," and she's like, "Why would you walk away from being a Jedi, even though we have this terrible remembrance of this incident?" And then she says you're the representation of what I would want them to be. Mm-hmm. So I did, I really, really, really love that line because then it kind of sets up, it allows Ahsoka to still continue on this path with what she believes, still learning what she loved and learned to do, but also doing it in a way that, you know, isn't like before and all the faults that we get laid before us, you know, I do like how in this arc they basically lay out what, you know, how the Jedi were blind and, you know, and they've kind of forgot about where, you know, once, which was Palpatine's plan to begin with. I love that line because it kind of, it kind of sets up Ahsoka for us for future roles. You know, like when she, you know, obviously in Rebels, when she faces Anakin, I'm no Jedi. She says that, you know, but she still is doing what she's doing and doing what she believes in. And then obviously Ezra goes down that same path. And so I don't know, I, I did, I did enjoy that. And and I think that's kind of where the whole art took us was to Ahsoka, what her role is going to look like in the future, you know, where you're right that I thought of that, that too, um, towards the end of that episode where it's like, okay, that's, that's where these episodes were leading us to. She's not a Jedi anymore but that's not going to stop her from doing the right thing. It's not going to stop her from doing what she has to do. You know, the whole time she struggled with not wanting to use the force because she didn't want them to find out uh, that she was a Jedi. Well, you can still use the force, even though you're not a Jedi, maybe you'll be wanted, you know, if you're doing that out in public or maybe, um, you know, you'll be hunted or anything like that. But I feel like that's where these four episodes took us was to that fulcrum role in rebels. And it was just, it was bridging that gap, you know, in between leaving the temple and where she's going. And obviously, you know, with these next four episodes, we're going to see a lot more Ahsoka. And we already know, you know, that Anakin gives her, you know, the lightsaber and everything. And so we know she's, she's going to continue down that path. Why didn't you tell me? How could I? After what you told me about your parents. Wait, so you're actually a Jedi? Was a Jedi. So you're not a Jedi. I was trained, but I left. You can, can do, do that? that? What are some of your other favorite parts about the art? A lot. Um, I really, I, I don't know why I, I feel this, but I feel like I haven't seen a good amount, you know, which is not true because when we watched The Mandalorian, we saw tons and tons of different alien species. But I like, for some reason, getting more of them, like seeing more of them as little tiny little blips and little side characters in there. You know, we get um, tons of Twi'leks or Twi'leks, however you want to call them. Tons of them in the in the, in the the arc, which I like seeing. We don't see very much of them. You know, we get the the, go, the Gotals. We got a Gamorrean um, in, that, in that episode. We get um, uh, one of Hondo's people. Uh, what are they called? Um, a week way. The weak way yeah, in week. the jail with the uh, with the hammerhead. I know that uh, they don't like being called the, hammerheads. Um, the the Athorian. Yeah, yeah. The, so like, it's cool about those two. They get out of they get out of the, the cell and then they escape. <laughs> um, so so they get they get out of the jail cell and yeah, the weak way sounds exactly like Hondo, and it's just like if Hondo didn't have a hat and glasses, like 
maybe that's Hondo. Who kn- I mean, who knows? Uh, maybe they took all his belongings or whatever. But yeah, so you get them escaping and kind of helping out a little bit. And then like two scenes later, it's Ahsoka talking to the, the sisters. And in the background, you see them just like running yeah. off. I don't know yeah. if you caught that. They're just running off in the background. Just really yeah. funny. So, I mean, I, li- I like seeing the different alien species, I, I, you know, just, just coming back into it. You know, I, I don't know why. I just liked it. That's Star Wars to me. That's There's, there's more in-depth. You see more characters. Uh, obviously, we saw a lot of that in The Mandalorian. But I don't know why. I just feel like I've been missing that. And so I was happy to see that. You're right. Like, every time you turn around, it's just, it's so cool to just spot them. And all those ones that you listed off. And then uh, we had the goat man that, like, the drunk guy that yeah, we've Gautal. seen yeah Gautal, yeah we, whatever they are. okay Gautal, which is yeah, yeah really unoriginal name and go tall but <laughs> yeah um but yeah we see him and, and we've seen those so randomly everywhere i think there was one in the cantina in a new hope if i'm not mistaken yeah, but there's yeah one in the, the ot um there's actually one in this arc as well um, when um, in the I see the the first episode when they're chasing that that uh, load lift that binary load lifter droid uh, when um, the ship falls over the side and Ahsoka's saying uh, saving her and that and she does the force and that little uh, Twilight young kid sees her doing that mm-hmm. there's a, a, a one of the the go talls right there like <gasps> you know like is, is yeah. he gonna make it um, there's so there's two in the whole arc there's the drunk one and that one that's just like an innocent bystander I, I feel like those are super underrated here right? they pop up all over the, I know there's some in rebels too. And there was a lot in the clone wars before too. And the background is in the, the, the scene where they're having dinner or the very first episode when they're having dinner, the droid with like the big bug eyes. I can't think of his name right now. Um, mm-hmm. it's got like the big old bug eyes and he's one of the bounty hunters in empire yeah, strike back for L O M. I can't remember, but he's in the back. Oh, not, it's not him, but one of those types of creatures, droids, species, whatever it is in the background. So that's another one I had. I was like, so I just like little things like that. I'm like, oh, you know, um, once I've watched it again, obviously I've watched these episodes three or four times. And so I watch it once to watch it, to enjoy it. Then I watch it again to, to come up with things to talk about. Then I watch it again to find little things that I missed. And those times I'm like, oh, they're okay, 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 okay. You know, so I like that stuff. My favorite out of all of the creatures and aliens that we saw were the Ben Quadineros aliens. We get like yeah. a thousand of them. They're, yeah. they're tombs. I, don't know about I had, that. Yeah, I had to look. It, I had to look it up, but they're called tombs. But yeah, right when I right when one of those came on screen, because like we see see one on Obadiah when Ahsoka goes down and she's starting to lay the detonators, and then. Trace and Rafa travel back to Kessel to steal spice from the yeah. Like the spice wouldn't even notice that to begin with. That was a terrible plan, by the was way. It, I thought it was a great plan. I thought she she was ruthless. It was funny. But <laughs> then they go there. Her own spice, like this is our containers. Uh, hey, know. we've we've seen that the Pikes just like the trade federation just like watt tambor just like all of them they are not very smart and they are really bad at their jobs uh but yeah so we we go to the, we go back to kessel and we just see like a hundred of these ben quadineros tomb aliens and it's just yeah. the funniest thing ever they're just they're they're so funny so yeah and was, we, and was that the doc supervisor was that a tradition like yeah a that was a tradition. yeah um, so that was that was and he was like he was a complete BA. I, I don't know, there's a lot of uh, uh, kicking the A out of women in this art too. I mean, those uh, that uh, and that's that that's really Fu, that, that guy at the very beginning that came looking for money and I don't I don't know what those two bodyguards he had with him. They had like cyclop looking eyes. That's uh, one thing. That's one thing. That's probably like my biggest negative, and not even those two scenes of them just like getting in fights, but the torture. Like I. I don't know why Clone Wars and Rebels really they have to lean so far into the tor- into torture and like it just we don't need to see all that we don't even see that much of it in the movies so why are we seeing that in a cartoon like what's the obsession that's, with that I don't that's a thing I'll, that I had written down too about the like how you know this was a kid show and uh, which another callback. I love the fact, even when they're getting tortured, they're getting tortured by that that type of drawer from Return of the Jedi, that's um, mm-hmm. burning that one droid's feet. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, so, like, whatever type of that droid that is. So there's that yep. torture, 
Um, and then uh, episode three, when they're when they're having this battle with the Pikes, I mean, good gosh, they blow them up. They they blow up like five of them with that explosion, and that one loses its head in the elevator. Like it doesn't show the head being chopped off, but you know what happens. Like, oh my yeah. goodness! Like there was like legit death, torture, uh, <laughs> like just some unnecessary violence, which. For a kid show, you know, maybe you give or take whatever. I mean, I don't mind it. I enjoy entertainment. I know what entertainment is. I know it's not real life. But, yeah, so th- that was one of the things I had written down from this episode. Like, oh, my gosh, this is dark and twisted kind of, too. It It is. And, yeah, this the, the torture scenes just make no sense to me. It's like there's other ways to, like, even with A New Hope, when they, and even with Empire Strikes Back, I mean, A New Hope, they, do, they use the droid on Leia but they don't show it. You, you know what's going to happen. And then the same with Empire Strikes Back. Like, I guess you do hear Han screaming a little bit, but like, you don't see yeah, you it. You see the sparks, you see the sparks coming and you know what, you know what's happening. But yeah. Yeah. It's see. like, why? And, and it goes, it feels like it just drags on forever. Where it's like, why are, why are we doing this? And in Rebels, when they do that with Hera, it's like, how, how much do you need to, like, it was three separate scenes of them torturing Hera. It's like, why are we doing, like, why are we spending, so I don't know what the obsession is. That's literally, out of the Clone Wars and Rebels and anything, like, that's my one beef with it, is why are we torturing so much? It just, yeah. I don't know. We, it, you can imply it in a way if you really need it for the story, but do we need to see it for 30 straight seconds like i don't know but yeah, i felt that whole i mean you know like this isn't about favorite things but that whole little like it seemed for such an insignificant amount of spice they sure the pikes sure as heck went through a lot of trouble to torture them to get it get the information out where it is once they escaped once and blew the town half to heck like they kept them alive again like, you know, like it was just like, uh, come on, like you guys are big enough of a syndicate that three containers of, of spice, obviously you, you, you know that they're afraid of the repercussions, obviously, but, uh, you would think that they would be like, all right, you know, the heck with you guys either get out of here or execute them right then, not go through a, a whole three days worth of, <laughs> holding them and trying to ascertain where the heck the spice is. Yeah. It seems like they would probably want to move on, but it's, it's just like, it's different obviously, but it's a lot like the bad batch arc where Watt Tambor and Admiral trench, like they don't want to say anything even to each other about what happened because they know what will happen to them. Just like they, the pikes. And so it's like, yeah, how much, I think it was like four, four loads of it or something. And it's like, you could tell it was kind of important because they had them over for dinner at the King's castle or whatever on Kessel. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. like, at what point do you just let it go over this? You know, seemingly if, if it was that important of a job, why did you hire someone with no experience? You know, it's like, isn't there other smugglers and stuff out there? But yeah, but back to the aliens, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the Trandoshan, yes, I'm pretty sure that was a Trandoshan, and I loved that scene of Rafa, who's like the you know darker side type character. She takes on the big like scary Trandoshan, and then Trace, who's the younger sister, who's more like hopeful and stuff. She has to take on all the little tunes with the little mm-hmm. pipe and everything. I just I liked I liked the that we were seeing that and then the way that rafa finally defeats a trandoshan she gets she hops up on the top of that thing and then she crosses her legs which is just like the cool like she's just cool you know she just like comes off as cool and then drops the load and he goes goes down so i i really like that as well so yeah the aliens very excited to see all those i i get giddy whenever especially those ben quadineros man those are i did i didn't even pick on that. So kudos for that. I mean, I remember the character, but I didn't even think. Now that you said that, I can just totally see his pod totally screwing up there at the beginning of that scene. That's exactly. Last week, I was teaching Brooklyn how to play uh, Pod Racers Revenge. I think so. It's not the first oh, Pod Racer game. 64? Yeah, so not the not the original one from sixty four, but I think they might have had re- uh, revenge on the second one. But I think it's Pod Racers Revenge. And when I bought Battlefront a few years back, it came with 
that and then another game where it was like the PS2 version, but you can play it on PS4. So we watched that or we played that and Brooklyn was playing and, and Ben Quadineros is on there. So yeah, I was, I was super excited to see that. Loath cats. There was lots of loath cats in that, which I didn't know there were loath cats on Coruscant. So yeah, off world, off world. There was yep. a ton of them there. That was another thing that I really enjoyed about that. You know, the, I feel like there was lots of tie-ins with Solo, so that makes me happy. I, I'm still one of the people that feel like we still need to get Solo too. Um, I, I, there was a lot. I really liked going to Kessel and. Right when they pull in, it, it it feels exactly like so. Like I had to go back and watch a couple scenes in Solo just to see it, and the way that they did that was was so cool. Just the design, and then sticking with Kessel, we get the Kessel that we know from Solo, and you know from the stories or whatever. And then we go to the other side of the planet, and we see that it's just this lush, like beautiful place, and just to see that the other side of that, I feel like it's something we don't see enough, you know, with star Wars is we see a planet and like, we just assume that the entire planet looks like that when in reality, like their planets, I don't know, Tatooine all desert, like really are all the planets going to be all everything. And so it was nice to see that. And, and just the, the animation on that side of Kessel was, was so good. It looked like if you go to Best Buy or Nebraska furniture mart, and you go to the TV section and they have like nature on the 4k TVs. Like that's what it looked like. The, mm-hmm. the overhead shot of that. So that was, that was really cool to see. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's nice as well to, and I'm sure that's been around and I just can't think of any of the, the uh, instances, but finally you, you know, rise of Skywalker, you get uh, Poe was a, a spice runner. You know, you, you, you get all these things of I've ran spice or you're a, you know, you, whatever, if you're medicine, drugs or whatever weapons, whatever they're making out of it, you finally get to see that side. Like what's why is there a need for spice runners? Obviously there is because you have the empire that's probably looking to stop shipments. You have pirates that are trying to stop shipments. You know, you see why that's kind of was important and you can see why, the Kessel Run is a thing, you know, to to escape whoever you're trying to escape. So yeah, it, it's it's good to kind of see where the spice comes from and what it actually is, and the importance of why you know in Star Wars, obviously, it's carried. The spice has carried on through this whole thing. It's an important, yeah, and, and finally get to see the the importance of it all. Right? Yeah, it does come up all the time as far as spice runners and smugglers and and what they're actually doing when they were in that castle or whatever on Kessel having dinner and they were talking about that the spice could be used for medicine and it could be used for this and that and and then they get out of the building and Ahsoka's like no it, it can be used for bad things too and my daughter was like daddy I think they're going to use it for medicine and I was like, yeah, like that's why they're doing this job. Like it's, it's for the good stuff. That's why they're doing this. But, but yeah, it was, it was kind of cool to see a, you know, a peek behind the curtain on, on what that looks like a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of other things that I like. I mean, the, the scene in episode two where Anakin feels her, I mean, good gosh, if you don't get like kind of a, not emotional, but if you didn't feel like chills or like a, like a lighthearted moment from that scene, I, it's awesome because of their relationship that tells you how much it means they mean to each other. You know, she has those references throughout the show. You know, she went to Skywalker Academy, her big brother taught her uh, how to fight. You know, it shows you how much Anakin means to her, which I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope we get to see order 66 in some frame of mind where she can kind of, come to the, the realization of what he has become and see what that does to her and down the line. I hope, I hope we see that, but yeah, that, uh, that little, that little scene where it just got me, you know, it calls back to Vader knowing, talking to Luke when he's, uh, on the ship after they rescue him in empire. And obviously in return of the Jedi, when they're going to the forest moon of Endor, you know, Vader's on that ship. He can sense him. You, the, the connection is huge there. So to me, that just like strengthened strengthened 
Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship to me. So it's a small, small, quick little scene, but it meant it meant a lot to me. Yeah, well, it shows that even though she's gone from the Jedi, you know, it's it's kind of the same way. It's like she can still use the Force, you know, but also like she's gonna be connected to Anakin forever. Like you can't you can't change that. And yeah, I mean, even going to the sequel trilogy, Ray and Kylo, they're linked that they're, they weren't going to lose that. Even after the last Jedi, when she shuts the door on him, like it didn't matter, you know, they're right back at it in the rise of Skywalker. So yeah, it was nice to see that a uh, little callback. And uh, speaking of that, Admiral Yularen, you know, the voice of war, which is yeah, Tom, uh, Tom, the, guy, the narrator, Tom, yeah, so he's on that ship, and he looks like he aged like thirty years mm-hmm. compared to what he is. So it's like, how long? And that's the thing that's hard to keep up with. Like, how is Ahsoka right now? You know, she can't be that old, but he—it seems like she is. So I don't know, but yeah, uh, Admiral Yularen looked like he's—he's he's aged quite a bit over the last uh, last few years. I think probably my favorite moment in the arc was when Trace and Rafa go off world after Ahsoka, you know, tells tells them that she has a plan and says she wants to make a deal with the Pikes by herself. And she, then she sa- suggests that they should give the Martez sisters, you know, a full rotation to go get the spice and come back. They get off planet and they are talking about, you know, what Ahsoka did. I, first off, I think it's funny that Rafa like totally knew what ahsoka was doing you know it was all part of the plan to get them off planet and then trace like she's like why would she say that about our family like she knows we don't have a family and and raf is like yeah no kidding like that's what she was doing but then the fact that when raf is like yeah like that's that's so rare for someone to sacrifice himself like that for us you know like she realizes how big of a sacrifice that was and i think that that is just one of the biggest themes in Star Wars in general. And I think it's one of the most Ahsoka things that she could have done was sacrificing because she wasn't planning on them coming back, you know, like she was planning on getting them off world so they could go home and they knew that you know, the Pikes wouldn't be after them because they were, you know, small time. And it just goes to the theme of sacrifice with going all the way back to New Hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, sacrificing himself. So, uh, Luke, Han, and Leia, and Chewie can escape. You know, Luke on crate. I mean, it goes to Rose's line of saving what we love versus fighting what we hate, and it just it brought it all together, and like it clicked for the Martez sisters, and it clicked for me right then too, where it's like, oh, that's that was Ahsoka's plan. Like she's she's doing what she can just to help those two. Like she's not doing it with her best interest. Like yeah, she she thinks that, you know, getting them off world so she can really like use the full force, you know, what she has obviously and she knows she has a better shot at getting out. But just the fact that she did that for them is just, you know, it speaks to the to one of the main themes of Star Wars. So that was that was probably my favorite moment of the whole arc was Ahsoka laying it on the line just, just for the two sisters who she just met not that long ago to escape. So yeah. it was good. I saved you. Tell me that's how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. One of my other favorite parts too, was just the opening scene with Ahsoka on that speeder bike when it malfunctions, just her going into the depths of Coruscant, which is just really cool to see. And the fact that they call it topside upper levels of Coruscant and just her going down there in the first place was, was pretty cool. And then when she's helping trace right off the bat with those two guys, a couple guys that come in there and she stops that guy's punch and it's like, yeah. Oh, she's back. I, I had goosebumps at that moment. Cause I, yeah. I just thought, I thought that was so good. And like the music stops and everything. And then she like goes off and she's like doing like kicks and punches and spinning around and jumping around and everything. I thought that was, I thought that was good. Yeah. And did you know that, that the, the 1313 reference of Coruscant where that came from? What was that? So uh, apparently that 1313 where that's where they were at. That was a whole like, Thing that George had created, like a separate project. I think it was called probably a Project Underworld. 
and it was like a unfinished, unpublished platform project that he had. And there was a there was also a game in the works for Boba Fett. So that's mm-hmm. where, to me, that's Dave continuing to pay homage to George. You know, this Dave is taking this flame and continue to go on. But obviously, that's so cool that you know, I the thirteen thirteen sounded familiar to me, and so I had to look more into it. So this isn't something I. Just, oh yeah, okay, I see where they went with that. This isn't just me being a complete Star Wars nerd. I knew something of it, but I had to look more into it. So I thought that was really cool. You know, I, every time that they take little things here and there, you know me, I just really, really like to, you know, look into it. And I think that just broadens the Star Wars stories to all of us. Mm-hmm. So that's... Yeah, um, I, I assume that it was something, but yeah, I didn't look into it. But I do remember that there was talks a long time ago about a live action Star Wars show being based around the underworld. So yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that and that's where it's from. Sense. I didn't know about the game. I knew about the underworld. I knew about 1313. I knew that was his platform. I didn't know there was a game in the works and that's apparently where that all came to fruition. You know, I like, um, I like the little, the tidbits here and there, you know, when they're explaining how their parents die, obviously we, we, you get a, a, a woman Jedi with a green face. Obviously you, you get, mention of zero the hut again so they're talking about that then a red-eyed alien so that's cad bane um that was that whole scene where cad bane is is freeing zero the hut so i i I, those callbacks those you know that's i i really like that and i and i had to go back because i was like i remember that arc but i couldn't remember it very well i was like did we actually see the jedi doing that and basically that stuff that they explain happened off camera. We didn't see that, but I went back and looked at it and it was during that story of Cad Bane breaking Zero the Hut out of prison was part of the super confusing, like when the chronological order gets mm-hmm. off. So it's like the very last episode of season one. And then the story picks up season three, like episodes eight and nine or something like that. But I had to go back and look at that and be like, when did that happen? But yeah, that was a cool reference to uh, a previous Star Wars thing that we don't see, but that we could imagine because we've seen, we know what happens in that story. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the pikes as a species. We don't, we don't see them very much at all. I can't I know if they've appeared in Clone Wars already. They clean, uh, for some reason, I remember, and I can't remember if it was the Crystal Crisis on Utapaw that that we get to see the Pikes that on this finished reel, or if they're actually in the Clone Wars and one. I feel like uh, uh, Dooku was with them on one thing, but I I just can't picture right now. So you know those those characters, Mar, Krim, and Fife. I think is I think it's the third one's name. They're all mentioned in the Son of Dathomir comics and Dark Disciple. So it's connecting with other avenues. So I really like that. And then when Maul came into the scene, he mentioned Crimson Dawn right away, which I didn't think Crimson Dawn had formed yet because in the timeline uh, of where when Solo is, Solo happens, obviously, I don't know, I want to say six years after this, these events, seven, I can't remember how many years. And so I went back and I watched Solo, and there's a scene when Dryden Voss has Solo and uh, Woody Harrelson's character, what's, I can't Beckett. remember, Beckett, in his, with uh, Kira, mm-hmm. and Dryden Voss mentions kind of kind of actually a little bit but he says when he's talking to him he said the pice control kessel crimson dawn maintains a fragile alliance with the pikes and he can't jeopardize without risking war within the syndicates that's when dryden boss is talking to those uh solo and um beckett so one the pice control kessel the pice control kessel the why are they so freaking upset about not getting that spice shipment they just go back and get some more obviously they're afraid of what maul is going to do with them but i had to once i heard crimson dawn i had to i went back and i watched solo and i was looking for little tidbits for that you know to hear that alliance there's also uh, a chase scene when they're in this arc as well that they're playing the solo music you know the 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 getaway music when solo when he's escaping um i can't remember which one's from the ot but uh, so I, I really like that because that brings 
Clone Wars to Solo in a way, you know, because who who the heck, if you didn't know anything about this news, what knows what Dryden Voss was even talking about before, you know, Maul was introduced at the end. No one knew about these crime syndicates or anything there. So again, you know, me being like all these little connect the dots, like, Ooh, I love this reference. I love this reference. I love this reference. This reference. I thought that was, and it's just one line basically in, in, in the movie solo. I just really, really enjoyed it. It made me enjoy that part even more uh, because I don't know. It, it may seem, may seem silly, silly to think about that, but that I, I enjoy stuff like that. So, well, let's, let's talk about Maul because yeah, he shows up and the last time we saw him in the clone wars, this doesn't, you know, go to the son of da- Dathomir comics and everything like that. But the last time we see him, he was on Mandalore and the emperor found him almost killed him, leaves him there and basically says, I have other plans for you. And then now we see him and you're right. Yeah. He's seemingly in charge of Crimson Dawn, which is where we see him in solo, but well, we never get, we never get those plans because through the comics, some of the Athemir comics, he escapes or he gets rescued um, from that prison cell. So still, I don't, I don't know if like if Palpatine's plan is still to have him re- to rise this crime syndicate his pre has different plans for him but he's rescued in the son of dathomir comic yeah and it doesn't seem that way because we get so we get the pikes uh, i think it was marg Krim that says he plays the factions of the collective against one another so when he refers to the collective maul tried forming the shadow collective right mm-hmm. between yep. and this goes back to i think season three between death watch black sun Pike Syndicate, the Huts, and the Knight Brothers, right? So that's his shadow collective. So the fact that they're referencing this collective and saying that Maul tries to play the factions, it's like Maul's already in charge of all these syndicates pretty much, or else he's he's almost is, you know, like even in solo, he's in charge of Crimson Dawn, but like you get the feeling like he's he's probably in charge of a lot more than just that. And so is he building the collective back up to, you know, go against not only the Republic, but the empire, you know, like, is he building, is this how he's building his army? And that's where he's kind of going with this, you know, because just like the emperor is sitting there playing all these sides against each other. Maul is sitting there playing all these factions of crime syndicates against each other. So like, is that where he's going, you know, and, and we get the line in the trailer where he's basically like, everything's changing, you know? And so like, he knows what the emperor is up to. Is he trying to build just to survive or is he trying to build to get something to go against the emperor's plans? And if so, is he going to try to get Ahsoka to join him knowing that, you know, maybe we're going to see them interact after order 66, you know, how long does the siege of Mandalore go on? Because we know that, you know, Ahsoka and Rex almost have Mandalore and then order 66 happens, you know, um, Anakin and and Obi-Wan get called off to go rescue the emperor, which leads us into revenge of the Sith. So are we going to get past that? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, totally ready you know for them to get back to mandalore because i believe that prime minister i think he's prime minister almec who was put in charge of mandalore by maul like he was the face of you know the head of mandalore now and now that maul's back and he's in charge of a crime syndicate like where is mandalore right now you know and what are we we know kind of what the siege of mandalore is but like we don't know a lot of details that are about to go down yeah because in that in part one of the son of dathomir comics the the whole the plan is for um gar saxon and root cast to to, which was members of death watch to to free maul from the prison the whole plan of, 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 of Palpatine is for him to capture Maul and draw, draw out Mother Talzine because he mm-hmm. thinks that, that she's a threat. So what's interesting about that is when uh, Bo-Katan is talking to Ahsoka, she says, Death Wash is no more. Yep. So what happened in that short period of time from you know Maul being rescued till now? 
you know, and that's Maul gets the dark saber back because Palpatine I had it. He gets the he gets the dark saber back in that little in that skirmish. I just think that's interesting. That yeah, Death Wash is no more, but Death Wash is is went to go save him. Right, and that's what does is Death Watch no more mean like they all turned or does that mean they broke up you know because yeah, they because was bo katan on death watch wasn't she on death watch yeah so out of death watch until maul killed who did he kill pre vizsla pre vizsla and then she was like no i'm not i'm not with this and maul was like well if you're not with this then you're dead and i'm you're that you're dead and then they escape right so yeah it's um it's gonna get really interesting it was it was so cool in that episode, I think it was in the third episode of this arc where, you know, Ahsoka and Trace and Rafa are escaping and we get the person in the hood and then turns around and we see that it's a Mandalorian, you know, at that point we didn't know exactly. And then we get them talking and it's Bo-Katan, you know, you can tell right away from her voice, but then the other Mandalorian that speaks when I first saw it, there was no doubt in my mind that that was the armor from the Mandalorian. Like it sounds exactly like the armor. And then we get the credits and it says Ursa Wren. And I was just like, ah, so I had to go back and listen to Ursa Wren from rebels and be like, is that, and it sounds nothing like her, you know, obviously like we get Ursa without a helmet talking. So maybe the helmet does something, but it still to me sounds like the armor. And in the clone wars download, Dave Filoni said, you know, it'd be, he just thought it'd be a cool link to rebels you know if they had ursa Ren there but like there was a third mandalorian too so like i i feel like we're just all being played and that either a ursa Ren is the armor which i don't know how that adds up as far as like how old she would be in the mandalorian timeline but i think that would be a possibility or b that is the armor and we're gonna find that out in the next four episodes and we'll find out that that third mandalorian who didn't speak maybe was Ursa Ren, you know, and somehow they got around it with the credits or whatever. But I feel like that was the armor. Like, did that not sound like the, exactly like the armor to you? I mean, it did. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be any of them. I mean, I'm, that's one of those things that obviously Bogotan, Ursa Ren, or, you know, the third one, whoever it is, I don't know. I just feel like they're totally setting us up for Ahsoka to have a connection to the Mandalore, obviously, here with what she's going to do. And her telling uh, Dejaren that to go look for other, you know, force users or basically go on, go find Ahsoka. She's out there, kind of. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's a whole other episode that we need to have as far as, like, the Mandalorian in general and just all that stuff. Because it's, yeah, these last, I don't think it's a coincidence that they announced that Clone Wars is coming back. We're obviously getting Siege of Mandalore, also getting The Mandalorian. Dave Filoni's heavily involved, you know, executive producing these series. So it's like, there's going to be something there. And the way that they've been, you know, the cast and the crew have been talking about these last four episodes, it's just Sam Witwer, you know, is like, this is going to change how you look at so many things in Star Wars. And it's, it's yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I'm just... I'm ready I'm for it. I'm hearing lots of positive things. I'm, I'm hoping that each episode is 45 minutes. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that's a lot of people keep saying that. And a lot of people said that with, you know, these four episodes that it could have been two 30-minute episodes or something like that. But, like, I don't think their intention coming into this was just to satisfy run times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, we're going to stick to the script. We're going to do it like we and, – and actually in this arc – um, some of the episodes were a little bit longer. I think one was like close to 25 minutes and one was 24 minutes. So they are a little bit longer. Um, the first episode was like really short. I'm going to say it was like 18 minutes. Seemed yeah. like, yeah, it's been, it's, it's crazy that we're already eight episodes in and there's only four episodes left. These next four weeks are going to, you know, in between the episodes is going to feel longer and longer because up until now it's been like, oh, it's already Friday again, you know, without working yeah. from home and like all that stuff. But now it's like, no, nah, it's going to be on my mind uh, even more getting ready for these these last four episodes just to you know see how this happens because there's so many things that and i don't i don't have a wish list at all for this, but like who knows what characters we're going to see? Who knows? Because this is all pretty much you know blank slate. Like we know. 
kind of the end result's going to happen, but there's a lot in between that, that could really, you know, happen. That's, that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. But I think that wraps up our discussion on Ahsoka's walkabout arc for uh, episodes five through eight from the Clone Wars. We are definitely looking forward to this Friday with the new arc coming out, the Siege of Mandalore. So thanks for joining us today. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Force Time Pod. Uh, you can see our the rest of our episodes. Uh, you can get them Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, everywhere you get podcasts. Feel free to subscribe, leave us a review. We have a couple and it's kind of fun to see those and anytime one of those comes in. So feel free to do that. And we will be back probably pretty soon with our uh, talks on the new Clone Wars episodes. Uh, But until then, may the force be with you.